In this episode, I'll talk about the dilemma that many students have between wanting to be nice for their horses and wanting to be a source of relaxation for their horses, but also wanting a higher level of fitness or a higher standard of performance from them. So luckily, you don't actually have to make a choice. You can be a nice, happy source of relaxation, and you can have a horse that will work for you and will progress. So here we go, episode 69, A Working Relationship. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Now, I often get questions or students voice concerns on this subject. And recently, I I got a couple questions on Facebook and then one question emailed in. And it's kind of two different nuances around this subject, but I'll talk about them both. So one of the concerns is a student who wants their horse to be more fit but they're worried that by asking them to work harder, they're going to ruin the partnership. And the other nuance of this, the other version of this, I guess, is students who uh, have horses that where they feel like they have to be a little firm or they have to be like really consistent or really clear with their boundaries or whatever it is. And it starts feeling like, they're not being quote unquote nice. So we're going to look at both of those things. Um, I think just to start with, you know, to say that being fit can feel good. Physical training can make you and a horse feel really proud and really energized. And to know that work is not the opposite of relaxation. And on the other hand, um, that being a clear, consistent communicator or a a leader who has clear, consistent boundaries uh, is actually a way to be really kind (laughs) to a horse because their world is consistent. They know the rules. So I thought I'd start by just reading the questions that came in most recently on this subject, because these are, these are fresh in my mind. So one person wrote in, uh, and they said, how do we balance fitness and our connection as responsible partners? For example, strength and stamina with maintaining mental and emotional part of our relationship with our horse. I struggle to keep my um, left brain introvert mare, that's kind of a Pirelli personality kind of thing, uh, left brain introvert mare physically fit while not, quote, wearing out my connection. So this is a pretty typical question. Now, just for anybody who doesn't know um, what, the, what she means by left brain introvert, it just means that uh, in general, uh, the mare probably is not so fearful. You know, left brain is sort of the code for, you know, thinking. and it's a more introverted horse rather than extroverted horse. Now, I I tend to not use those labels because I think we all have our more thinking moments and our more not thinking moments and our more introverted, more extroverted moments, but it's just sort of a a kind of bucket to put your horse in to kind of have a a starting point. for someone who would ask a question like this, I would say, you know, make sure you notice when they are not being left brain and make sure you notice when they are being more extroverted. If we are too strong on our labels, then we'll actually miss (laughs) seeing some information. 
Right. But to kind of get into this question, um, one of the things that I answered her was about to remember when build. So she was saying, you know, building stamina, strength and stamina while maintaining mental and emotional part of our relationship with our horse. Remember when you're doing stamina type of things, you need to know the techniques for it. It's not just do more, <laughs> you know, that might not feel good. So in building stamina, we want to take the effort level down a couple notches. We're not going to be operating at maximum effort. We're going to do something slightly in the easy, you know, easy to moderately easy category. And then we want to do it in a more motivating circumstance. So when I want to build my horse's stamina, I'm going to not do my, you know, super collected trot, I'm going to do a nice working trot and I'll go out in a field or a trail or, or somewhere where if I'm going to sustain it, it's more interesting to the horse. They actually might feel like they want to go. Uh, and that will um, minimize the, you know, the, the downside, right? So if I wanted to get you know, increase my horse's stamina and I stayed at my super collected trot and went around and around and around and around and around 10 meter circle, you could see that maybe that's not so fun or fair. Now for strength, if you're building strength, then there's strategies for that. And for strength, you want to be at a high level. So you're not over the limit of what your horse can do. You're maybe at the limit and down a little bit and you want to do um, you want to do sets you want to do repetitions short periods take a rest short periods take a rest so you know do three push-ups and then take a 20 second rest and then three more and 20 second rest and three more you know and then maybe in a couple of weeks you're doing four and then a rest you know and so you gradually build it it's good to keep records uh, so you have an organized way of tracking. You don't forget. And, you know, maybe you can only do five sets of three push-ups, and then you forget and you start demanding 10. <laughs> like that's maybe not so nice. So it's making uh, planning or decision errors that can risk the partnership. It's not in general, the idea of building strength and stamina that can that can um, put the relationship in a bad state. So I think that's really important to know that there's nothing inherently challenging to your partnership by asking your horse to get his heart rate up or work a little harder or do something. I mean, horses in general, are they're pretty physical animals and they're pretty strong animals. And I think in general, um, you know, I, don't, I have to think about who I'm talking to because there's plenty, plenty of you guys out there who are challenging your horses, but I think the average um, backyard or casual amateur rider um, underestimates what their horses are capable of. And, you know, a, an animal I'll speak for myself, the less fit I am, and the more I sit around, the more I feel like sitting around. <laughs> so the less fit I get. But when, you know, when you do the right kind of exercise, it can be invigorating. You know, you just get it going, and then you want to get it going more. And I find horses are very much like that. So Oh, one more thing with strength that I want to make sure is, is an important part of the strategy for strength building is that you never go too um, fatigued. You get right up to that edge. You know, you might go to the point where they would be too tired to do another one and then just don't do that other one. And how do you know? Well, experience and in order to have experience, you're going to make mistakes. <laughs> so if you just know that you're looking for signs of fatigue, then you'll start to notice what your particular horse looks like and feels like when he gets fatigued. And yes, you'll, you'll go over the edge sometimes and you're going to go, oops, sorry. Yeah, I didn't notice. You're not misbehaving. You're just 
fatigued because <laughs> it was a strength exercise and I wasn't paying attention. That's okay. Horses are all about forgiveness. If you're thinking in the way where you want them to be proud and you want them to be strong and you want them to have stamina and you want them to be invigorated, you know, they can be very forgiving at the mistakes that we make along the way in our attempt to do that. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's the mindless disregard and consistently pushing them over the edge to do things that they can't do. That's where the damage is done, especially repetitive, over the edge, forced, fatiguing effort without noticing the, the stress that they're in. That's where the red flags are. So often the, the people who are asking this question and having this concern, I'm not worried about <laughs> because you're already thinking that way. And all you need is some strategies. You just need some guidelines. So those are some guidelines for building strength and stamina. Uh, and actually, I can't talk about strength and stamina without talking about coordination because that's the other category of physical um, exercises. And so for coordination, you're taking something that uh, the horse understands uh, and is well within the range of um, in their physical limits. It's well inside the limit of what they can do physically, uh, a little bit like in the stamina department, but you have to be repetitive in doing this pattern so that they can start to gain the coordination and start to put it into muscle memory. And you get a chance to, you know, oh, why is that one moment bobbly? Let's practice it again. And we'll try to get rid of that little bobble. How do I have to sit? How do I have to ride it? What does my horse need to do? Like serpentines. That's a very good, you know, doing serpentines where you try to get the change of bend and direction really smooth with no change of rhythm. Um, you do it repetitively, consistently looking for the muscle memory and the coordination, but, and that can be applied to any kind of, um, movement. Uh, and it doesn't have to be just serpentines. It can be, you know, any piece of a pattern of a dressage test and you practice that sequence again and again, you practice the transition from canter to trot at a, to lengthen across the diagonal to halt you know, and you just practice that one little section repetitively until you build the coordination of how you ride into that corner in order to get that lengthening and the, how do you ride the next corner? When do you ask for the transition to have it end up at the letter, you know, that sort of thing. And you can see if you're going to have to repeat it, then you want to make sure it's not um, outside their range uh, of what they can do. So you know, you don't practice your full pirouette section 20 times. <laughs> They're going to get fatigued because that's a strength move. So just uh, sitting down a little bit to understand about how strengthening, building stamina and building coordination work um, is a great tool. So educating yourself. So you're not just blindly telling your horse, you know, do more. <laughs> now, another um, another piece of this that I think is so important is to understand this process and, and experience this process with ourselves. So uh, there's been times, lots of times in different sports that I've done, um, you know, progressed my training and progressed my fitness and, and all that. And there's been times that I've had trainers. I've had my own personal trainer. And some are better than others, and some experience, some experiences I liked better than others. So I want to think about um, what has worked. Like I think about what has worked for myself, and then how can I be that personal trainer for my horse? But I think it's it's so important to experience being trained and being pushed physically, because I know where trust gets lost. You know, when I lose trust in a trainer, but I also know, uh, you know, how good it can feel. I mean, there's times that, you know, a lot of times I'll do, I'll, I'll get a personal trainer because I know that the process of 
getting better at something is not always fun. It doesn't always feel good. So that's when I like pay for a coaching package <laughs> because I know if I pay for it, I'm going to show up and I make myself go. So I somehow find the thing that's going to motivate me to show up in one of those things is pay for a package. <laughs> I'm too cheap to let it go to waste, right? So I pay for the package that motivates me to show up. And then I think about, you know, how that feels. What does my trainer do when I start to struggle? But how do I feel walking in versus how do I feel when I walk out? How do I feel after two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months of this training? Do I feel better? Do I feel worse? Do I feel the same? And I have experienced that if I can just find the dial that motivates me to show up, <laughs> and if I have a good personal trainer, it feels good because you're increasing your skills, you're getting more strong, you're getting more flexible, you're getting more coordinated. And there's a pride, there's a pride that's, I think, beyond uh, brain, it's beyond ego. It's, it's like an inner energetic, I don't know, it's like my warrior energy, you know, and I've, I have felt horses tap into this kind of warrior energy or whatever you want to call it, like, rah, I am all that, look at me go. So I think that's what keeps me going with the horses, because that to me is the game. You know, I don't want to make a slave, but I want a horse that's like, yeah, I'll show up. <laughs> I'll show up and I feel like a rock star. So that's what we want to do is be a good personal trainer for a horse. One that can keep a good accounting of our horse's abilities. We want to be a personal trainer that builds confidence and then progressively incrementally increases the challenges all the while while cheerleading you know, leading us on, leading the horse on. And this is really important that we'll listen when, um, you know, that you want to listen to your horse if your horse says, hey, this hurts. And we have to trust that we're watching for that and that it's okay to do that. Because that's the one thing that made me, um, well, two things have made me lose trust in personal trainers over the years. One is they over, um, they over pushed me. They set a goal for me, but I started to get the feeling that like they wanted me to achieve the goal so that they, their goal was to get me to achieve the goal. And they were more interested in them achieving their goal of me getting the goal than they were, than they were of me achieving the goal for my own sake. I don't know if that made sense. Like they wanted to make sure that their students all progressed really quickly or something or achieve these goals. And because of that, they pushed me too hard. And when I said that kind of hurts my back, they didn't listen. And then my back hurt. And that made me really on the inside, just be like, nope, I lost trust. And, and it's pretty easy to lose trust with me. <laughs> it's really hard to get it back. I think I'm a lot like a horse. So listening. And um, yeah. Okay. So I what I did was I put together a list of actually what I thought were qualities that made a good personal trainer. So these are qualities that um, made me enjoy personal trainers that I've had. And I think we can apply uh, this to our horses for sure. So I'm hoping that this will help you. Uh, yeah, help you be okay diving into asking your horse to work a little more, asking them to progress. Okay, so things that made uh, that made me enjoy a personal trainer. Number one, patience. So I want them you know, I want them to go as slow as I need to go. <laughs> and I want them to have patience with me, especially if I'm not getting an exercise just right. Like, here's a funny story. Like, I cannot jump rope. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm a pretty coordinated person. I'm fairly athletic and I cannot jump rope. And I know it was like taking this trainer all he could to not 
just laugh in my face. And I'm sure that he told stories and imitated me to the staff after hours or something. I don't care. But like, I really had a hard time jumping rope. And it was pretty funny. So, but he was very patient with me and he broke it down and he tried to find videos of, you know, to show me he would bring in other of his staff. Like, can you explain this to her? So he was really, really patient with me when I was feeling like a complete dum-dum. So patience, and we can have patience with our horses, even when we're challenging them to do something else, especially. So another quality is uh, flexibility, to be able to change plans. So there's sometimes that he had a whole, he or she would have plans for me. I'd come in and maybe because of, uh, maybe I had a headache that day and I came in anyway, or maybe a certain body part was stiff or sore or something, and they were willing to change the plan according to what I needed. And sometimes it wouldn't even be a workout. It would be a stretching session or something like that. So have a plan, but then be super flexible. Another quality that I really appreciate is communication. And by that, I just mean they're able to clearly explain what needs to happen. Makes sense. So communication, of course, the quality of our communication. You know, a lot of times... Horses don't want to do stuff for us, but it's not because it's work. It's not because it's going to take some muscles. It's because they don't really understand what, what's being requested of them. So we want to understand and be able to identify confusion separate from um, I can't or I won't or something like that. I like a personal trainer who's knowledgeable. I want to make sure that they uh, understand what is a, a healthy posture to do this exercise in. I want them to know some, you know, muscles, <laughs> name some muscles on my body. I want them to understand, you know, uh, different modifications of an exercise or something like that. So I want them to um, be able to, I think through the knowledge, then I get customization, right? So they're not just following some uh, recipe that somebody that, that they got out of a book or something that they know that recipe and they know why they're doing that exercise now. And they know that why they created that plan for this month. And then if something comes up, they also know how to modify it. So that's one thing I teach in my more advanced course in the upward spiral of successful gymnastics courses. I, I teach people how to look at a pattern for your horse and then understand how to make it um, easier or more challenging, uh, depending on your horse, how to modify it and still get the essence of the exercise. I want uh, my personal trainer to be approachable. Uh, and by approachable in, in this context, I and what we can do for our horses, I mean that they are open to questions. They're open to questions from me and they're open to suggestions from me, right? So I don't want to feel like they're just a drill sergeant and like I better, you know, shape up or, you know, I'm going to be punished. <laughs> I don't respond well to that. Uh, I want to be able to ask a question if I have a question and I want to make a suggestion. Now, the other side of that coin is I also want my personal trainer to have um, be professional and to have clear boundaries. So, you know, I want to be able to ask a question or make a suggestion, but I also want their professional opinion on that. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes when stuff gets hard, intelligent people are really good at wiggling out of things with uh, suggestions that seem very reasonable. Oh, I don't really think I should do that today because X, Y, and Z. And I want them to listen and go, yeah, good idea. Or no, that's okay. We can still do it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's part of, I want to be accountable. Don't let me wiggle out of things. So I want them to have some rules and I want them to have some rules that keep me uh, honest with myself. Now, I actually have a little funny story 
uh, this little little side note, but um, it kind of deals with these two things: approachable, able to ask questions, but then you know having clear boundaries from the the changer. <laughs> I had a I had a student come in. I was a brand new student to the facility, and I was the first one teaching her. She wanted to take lessons with me, and um, she, it was really funny because I would give her something to do like okay you know go out there track left and let me just watch you ride around a little bit and I I realized she wasn't doing anything that I asked her to do <laughs> like I mean like really nothing I told her to turn right and go down the long side she'd start you know doing figure eights on the left <laughs> you know I asked her to walk she'd canter I asked her to canter uh she'd like dismount and go do something I mean really it was almost like I thought a practical joke was being played on me. And at some point, you know, I just didn't know what to do with it. And I said, listen, there's got to be a certain degree of, I ask you to do something and then, you know, you make an attempt to do it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it the rest of the lesson did not go well. And I didn't see her again for a, a long time. And then years later, she, this woman comes back signs up for a lesson and I didn't I actually didn't recognize her and she said do you remember who I am (laughs) and and we started taking lessons again and I said listen we just have to we have to make some rules around this and you know you've got to do what I'm asking you to do and I said however let's make an agreement if you think you have a different idea raise your hand literally while you're riding and say, Karen, I have a question. <laughs> and, and she did that and she would ride around. She'd have a question. She's like, I think we should change directions because this is too much in one direction on a circle. And I'd say, you know, depending on the moment, I might say, actually, Oh, you're right. Yeah. Let's, that's fine. Go ahead and turn around. And the other times I'd say, Actually, no, because we're trying to build coordination with the bend and the whatever it is we were doing. And I and I really think you're close and we need to stay in this direction a little bit longer. And you're okay. I'm watching your horse. Your horse does not look stressed. So that's what we needed, right? So I needed to be approachable. She could ask the question, but I can still have be a professional and have clear boundaries and say, I get to, I get to have the final say, I hear you and either we'll go with it or we won't. And I'll be able to tell you why. So that's just an example, but we can do that for our horses, right? We want our horses to be able to ask questions. We want them to be able to tell us like, Hey, I've had enough. And that we know what that looks like with our horse. And the more we know what that looks like, the more we can identify when he's not doing that and he is giving us the green light to do more. Another thing that I really like about a personal trainer, I'll say punctual. So, you know, I don't like waiting. I do my best to show up on time. And if I'm late, I fully realize that my session will be cut short short, and I expect my trainer to be punctual uh, most of the time. Now with horses, I don't think they're sitting there with their watch going, hey, you're late. However, I think awareness of time is a very important quality, especially if we're going to be asking our horses to do more, we have to be aware of time. Otherwise, we're going to the horse's limit with strength and we're doubling the length of the session. Like that's too hard. We have to know. And often when I'm doing more intense training with my horse, I'll actually set my alarm. I'll set an alarm for whatever amount of time that I want to check in on myself and just make sure that that time doesn't run by without me noticing. It might be 15 minute intervals or something like that. And I just check in. I go, yeah, I'm going to do another 15. Or I might go, no, let's rest for a little bit here or let's stop. So be aware of time. Be organized. Have a plan. Be prepared so you can be set up. 
right? So if you have a session with your horse and you need to use obstacles or cavalettis or something like that, you know, you get warmed up, you get going, you get your, he's all loose, he's in his little mode. And then you're like, oh, I think I'll do cavalettis. And you get off and you drag around, um, drag him around while you're trying to gather the poles and you don't have the blocks. And, you know, and now 20 minutes goes by and he's out of the zone. He's, he's distracted. He's tuned out. You know, so just things like being more organized can really help because then you can flow, you can follow your plan, right? Think a little bit, think about what you're doing today. Think about this next week. Think about the three months from now. And that's what that happy athlete progress journal that I made is really to help you do is to have a plan, be prepared so you can maximize your time. And of course, a personal trainer needs to be motivating. They need to be motivated themselves and they need to be motivating. So when we're thinking about motivating our horses, you know, think about how are you motivating yourself? You want to make sure you're showing up feeling awesome about what you're about to ask your horse to do. You can't wait to do it. You know, so this is where if you're not feeling confident and you're doubting yourself, like take a second to figure out, well, what do you have to do to arrive feeling motivated? Oh my God, this is, I can't wait to try this exercise because I thought about it and I think I can do it and I'm really organized, you know, <laughs> and you're ready. But if you show up going, oh boy, I bet this isn't going to work. Oh, I hope nobody is watching. And then you can't really criticize your horse for being less than enthusiastic because they are picking up on all of our emotions. So get motivated, get excited, and that will help your horse be motivated and excited. And of course, the art of motivation, the art of using um, release, using pressure release, using positive reinforcement, using breaks and dwell time, using cookies or whatever rewards you want, like that's a whole art form. And, you know, I think a lot of the podcasts and a lot of the videos I do will show how I do that. But it's something to think about. How are you motivating your horse? What's your plan? I like a personal trainer who is passionate about what they're doing. And by passionate, I mean, they love the process. I have had personal trainers that are just putting their time in. You know, when I'm sitting there doing my push-ups or whatever it is that I'm doing and I peek over at them and they're clearly not interested. <laughs> like, I don't want to see that. Now, I know they probably thought I wasn't looking, but if I look over and they're, you know, checking their messages while I'm, you know, working my little butt off at doing a pull-up or something, I don't like that. <laughs> if I'm If I'm paying for personal training, I want their eyes on me the whole time. So the excellent personal trainers I have, um, have been passionate about it. They love the process. They want to watch me. They're looking at the, my form. They want me to be the best I can be, or at least they're really good at faking it so that I get the feeling that they are excited about my progress. So you want to love the process and the process is not always pretty. And the process is not always successful but you're always learning. And so you just have to love when things work, love when they don't work and just love the whole process. And of course, being positive. So when something is working, we celebrate it no matter how small, even if it's only one part of the thing, there's three parts to the thing we're doing. One of them worked and two of them didn't. We need to be able to celebrate what is working, focus on what you can do. So I've done blogs, I've done podcasts about that. That's a common theme in my training. Focus on what you can do. And of course, a good personal trainer is kind of, it's a good teacher, which is kind of a summation of everything else we've talked about. A good teacher has all those qualities we just listed. It's, you know, harmonious education. So a good teacher also knows when we are um, teaching a new thing, you know, are we trying to build understanding? Or are we trying to build confidence? Or are we practicing something we already know? Or are we 
strengthening something. We have to know a good teacher knows those different categories and can make plans accordingly. So I hope that helps. I mean, I think, I think when we, if we're worried about ruining our partnership by asking our horse to work hard, uh, then, you know, the answer is having a plan. The answer is to do, to ask your horse to put in more effort in a way that's not going to ruin the partnership. And I think all of those things that I just listed, I think will really, really help. I hope they do. You'll have to let me know. So now the other kind of question I get, um, there was one that someone just posted in one of my Facebook groups, the Dressage Naturally Land Facebook group. And I'll just read what she wrote because I think it's pretty typical. She says, she says, I'm a, a video classroom member and she's looking for ideas for working with a horse that requires a very clear and convincing communication. She said she's watched a video called um, Too Little or Too Much, which really helped. Uh, that video is, if you're in the classroom, I highly recommend it for the subject. It's December, 2015. It's called, Are You Asking Too Much or Too Little? And I am with a guest presenter, uh, David Lichman, who is uh, really, uh, he's a five-star Pirelli professional and he really special specializes in um, liberty. And it's a, we had just a conversation about exactly this question because even back in 2015, <laughs> students were asking this question and it still comes up. So that's a great video to start with. Anyway, so the, the person continues in her question. She said, my horse asks lots of questions and often has me doubting myself. He needs a very confident and almost demanding type of energy from his rider. When I can't honor this, we get along well. The problem is I have a mushy, too light and forgiving communication style. Every request, comes, every request from me comes across like a sorry apology. I'm struggling with feeling like a quote, bad rider when my horses require firmer pressure, even if it's momentary and always followed by softness. But it's firmer than I would ideally like to have. Who here can relate to that, right? So I'll tell you what I answered her in the, um, in the Facebook post, and then we'll talk a little bit more. Well, I'll talk a little bit more about it. So what I wrote to her was that number one, it sounds like she has a lot of self-awareness that in just in that short question, there's a lot of self-awareness. So that's awesome because already she's aware of the dynamics. So what I suggested is that maybe the answer is less about giving her a technique in a video of some exercise to do, but it's more about reframing of what it means to have clear, confident communication and what it means to have some rules. So I think it's really interesting that she can understand that it actually works. She says we, and, and here's what's, what's really cool. She said, um, where, where is it? Um, when I can honor very confident and almost demanding energy, we get along well. So this is the key. She didn't say, when I'm really strong with him, I get it done. She said, when I'm, conf when I'm very confident, almost demanding, we get along well. So this is what's really interesting is what she's doing, I think is working. She's just, it's different than who she thinks she is, right? And there's some judgment or framing of this, whatever it is she's doing that actually is working, but she's judging that to be not right because of uh, something in her, in her mind, right? She's labeled that kind of riding bad, even though it's helping her get along with her horse and it's working. 
So this, you know, what is a firm enough pressure? This is another question I get a lot, like is how strong is too strong? <laughs> and this is, there's no answer to this. It's, we have to take in so many factors. Now, one thing that I'm, I see in her question is, you know, she'll say, you know, I feel bad when I do firm pressure. And she's like, momentarily, it's always followed by softness. And I think sometimes there's a range of pressure that's more than what people think they want to feel, but it's still positive pressure. And the analogy I use a lot is like dancing the waltz. So I took some ballroom dancings for a few years and the pressure in the frame and our arms, you know, when you're connected in that kind of dancing, it's not like dead fish handshake. It's firm. But what makes it positive is that we're in balance. So, you know, the fundamentals are there. If when two beginners try to do it and there might be pressure and then it's it's leaning pressure it's pulling pressure it's off balance kind of pressure like that's a qualitatively different kind of pressure than when my instructor would dance with me and it'd be like raw like he's got me <laughs> like that kind of pressure like he's got me and he can lead me anywhere and where he goes my feet are gonna land and I'm really happy about it because he just put me there and because he put me there, I stayed in balance and then I could do it. And there was like this energetic togetherness because of it. But if you measured it on a scale, it might be, you know, it might register as more, whatever the unit of measurement that is, more than what you thought it should be. Because there's a different lightness that comes out of balance. Rather, there's the pre there can be a pressure, a contact, imbalance in motion that still works. It's light as a unit, even if it doesn't feel light between the two bodies. And so I think I think of a dead fish handshake, you know, the creepy one where you hold out your hand and like you can barely feel it. It's like almost like scared to touch you. Now picture, you know, really swinging confident walking holding hands with your best friend and now picture holding onto a hand that's leaning on you you know those are three really different things and yeah so pressure firmness firmness is a really hard thing to it's it's qualitative it's not quantitative so sometimes we have to rethink what light is. And sometimes there's a different kind of lightness that comes through a firm connection, which does not mean pulling because it's balance related. And that's why I, when I ride, there's a lot of self-care checks, but sometimes that connection is really solid. <laughs> There's a video in the classroom called Dissolving Brace. If you go in the video classroom and look under connection with the reins, um, you can find that. There's a simulation I do where we put pressure on each other through the reins and play with it. And you can see that the, the best qualitative pressure is one achieved through consistency and a solid connection, but it's energetically in balance. I'll put the link to that in the notes. Now, the other um, piece of this, because she had said um, demanding, you know, when she's demanding, they get along. So we can look at like, what does that word demanding mean? What does it mean to be demanding? So I looked it up. And one of the definitions is uh, demanding is a person who requires others to meet high standards. That doesn't sound bad. <laughs> Right? You require them to meet high standards. Sometimes having clear guidelines and a consistent standard is actually the nicest thing that you can offer a horse or a person. Luca Manetta, who's a my friend and a jumper, international jumping competitor from Italy, he's uh, 
he's been on my podcast, but he says there's three rules, three, three keys to success. Number one, love your horse. Number two, love your horse more. Number three, have rules. So when you have a rule or a clear boundary and you can, you've educated yourself and you're pretty confident that this is worth it, you know, sometimes it's better to have that rule, see if you can get your horse to, to honor that rule, to understand the rule, know how to operate within it. And then look at your results and see if that's a rule you want to keep or not. But that's better to do that. Make sure you can establish that rule and have it work and then decide whether you want to have the rule or not than to have a rule, but not really, not really stick to it. That is actually the key to failure with horses. Have a rule, but don't really stick to it. Tell them to do something, but it's okay if they don't. totally fine to change your mind. Not okay to go, I mean it, not really. So being quote unquote demanding, what does that mean? Just having a high standard? That's great to have a high standard. There's also a a blog that I wrote, I'll link to, it's called um, Lessons Relearned, the Pitfalls of Trying to Be Nice. (laughs) So you guys can look for that blog if you'd like to read that. Uh, the The other advice that I gave her in my answer is to get really specific about exactly what pieces, what are the elements that you feel like your horse needs to be lighter about or offer more effortlessly what are you having to keep reminding your horse about specifically? And is there a core piece of that? So if there's some piece that you're constantly having to be stronger than you want, you're constantly having to feel like you're reminding them all the time, or it starts crossing over into, I'm, ugh, I'm holding this together. What exactly is the piece? And then try to make improvements there. And there's some things you can keep in mind with that. So um, one is if you're going to make it hard, make it easy. So if you find a piece, it's like, oh, it's always that left shoulder. It's always um, speed control. I'm always having to hold because if I don't, they speed up. That if you're going to make it hard, if you're going to raise your standard, and that's what I mean by hard in this case, if you're going to raise your standard and be like, no, no, (laughs) this is the new rule then make it easy, meaning go find a more basic version of it and get it really good there. Some people call that going back to basics. It's not going backwards. It's just revisiting that and going, oh, now I need to see how much better that basic piece needs to be in order to be more successful during the more advanced stuff. So this is a gift. So if you're going to make it hard, make it easy. If you're going to raise your standard, do it first in a more basic circumstance. Another tip for uh, being more demanding (laughs) is whatever you're gonna be more demanding, and by demanding I mean, you're going to expect a higher standard. Ask yourself, is it fair, reasonable, and possible to expect that? That's a great question to have in your mind. I ask myself, that with my horses all the time is today the day is this is it fair reasonable and possible and if the answer is no then you pick something else and if the answer is yes then you do it and you figure out how to do it now another another piece of advice for being demanding how to be demanding with your horse (laughs) how to raise your standard is to make sure that you're testing what is working because maybe it works more than you think So an example of this would be like for the person who maybe is feeling like it's, she's using too many A's. She feels like, oh my gosh, I have to hold this together or something. But if you test it, like do a pattern 
do a test pattern or something like that, you might go, you know, this feels like it shouldn't be right, but I actually can get everything done. So maybe it actually is okay. Sometimes if we just ride around trying to get it to feel good, we'll just keep, there's always going to be something to mess with and something to try to get better. But if we go ahead and do a pattern, we go, oh, well, I thought I had to fix all these things, but actually if I just if I just decide this feels okay and ride the pattern, everything works and everybody's happy and then things get better simply because I'm stopped trying to make them feel different than they were. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. So I hope that I hope that helps that. This actually ended up there's a lot more in here that I <laughs> talked about than I thought I was going to be talking about. So I hope that this is gives you a way forward if you're feeling hesitant you feel like oh I don't want my horse to work hard or I'm afraid to be demanding like I hope this empowers you to go ahead and give it a try but don't just go in there and start you know <laughs> throwing stuff at your horse that you got to do it with a plan you got to do it consciously know that you're doing this and just know that if you are one of those person people that are asking the question and have this concern I'm not worried about you because I know you're aware and I know you don't want to overdo it. So in conclusion, being fit can feel good. Physical training can make you and your horse feel proud and energized. Work is not the opposite of relaxation. We can be relaxed and enjoying the process while we're working. And clarity is kindness. So let me know what you think. Let me know when you play with this pop over to Dressage Naturally Land and uh, let me know what you think. And I'll put links to some of the videos that I, and blogs that I mentioned in the show notes. All right. Bye. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse move in harmony and enjoy the process.